So tonight on the big show, Joe laughs it up with his good friend James Carr. Then he interviews his friend Victor Selvaraj about growing up as a Catholic in India and his experiences as an Indian Catholic in America. And now, the man who makes me a butter Catholic. Wait, I'm not saying that. Weren't you the one who took over the Apostle Matthew's job when he quit being a tax collector? Hey, stick to the script or we'll get somebody else to do this. Seriously? OMG. Anyway, here's the man who makes me a butter Catholic, Mr. Joe Geisler. Alright, well thanks for the intro. Alright, I'm uh, here with my good buddy James. How's it going, James? Hey Joe, it's been a minute. How you doing? Good, good. It's cold in Austin. Yeah. Uh, and rainy, so. Yeah. Oh. It's good. Got a, got a mix of, uh, gives us a good mix of weather. Came in quick. Yeah. It froze so, so let's see. So, um, so I was looking for banter material. Now I got the ten signs you're a Catholic introvert. Okay. So I don't gotta, think I'm going to fall under these signs, but let's see how many so, of them I would say yes apply to me. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I don't think even the first. So number one, you like the extraordinary form of the mass because prayer is easier for you when it involves zero eye contact with other people. The priest faces the altar. No sign of peace equals introvert bliss. Oh, God, that uh, sounds so, terrible. Uh, no, I like. I, yeah, I, like I got a problem with that. My problem with the with the extraordinary form is that the priest is up there whispering to God, and I keep thinking he's whispering about me. Mm-hmm. So I'm he's talking about concerned. you, behind yeah, your, or in front of your face, yeah, behind his like, back. You wouldn't believe what, what he told me in confession. <laughs> the extraordinary form is Latin. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah Latin. okay. So he's saying okay. it in Latin. He's yeah, probably yeah. talking to God about me. So no, I'm but the yeah. opposite of that. I like um, the Spanish okay. masses where you have to say the sign of peace to everybody in church. And you got to walk around and everybody shake everybody's in hands. Pretty much, you got to walk around the church. That's and like shake a factorial hands with number. Like, how can everybody sit, shake hands with everybody? It just happens. That would take. That's nah, a little bit of an exaggeration. Uh, yeah, I don't think. I do that. employ hyper, hyperbole every now. And yeah, because it would be. It's like I have to work out how long it's a factorial to shake hands. It'd be like millions of handshakes. That's not but, true. Yeah, so. Small mass. It would, it, yeah, it depends. Yeah. So no, right. not not one. Next and a uh, liturgical dance generally horrifies you, even when it's liturgically and culturally appropriate. What is liturgical uh, dance? Uh, Name an instance of a liturgical dance. I'm I, picturing I, right now an Indian I don't think shaman. It, uh, yeah, I don't think it occurs normally uh, in our uh, in our our liturgy. It might be another country, possibly. The hokey pokey. So yeah. There is Stephen Colbert has one where he dances to the King of Glory. Uh, so it's oh like, yeah, I've yeah. seen that one. That that's that just a stellar liturgical dance. If that's, that's a, really one, I would yeah, do that, that one. That was, that's, good. that was pretty good. When you attend a parish where newcomers are asked to stand up and introduce themselves, or Happy Birthday is sung at the end of Mass, you mentally check the church off your list of possible places to attend Mass. Is that a, I will that's admit a, that. Uh, Lino uh, talks about it's bad to be it's bad to be at a church where like it's a real small church, everybody knows each other, and then. You're the visitor, and then you got to get up and, and, and explain your life. Well, I always get deathly afraid, and maybe that's further down the list, when, when the priest comes down off the pulpit and, like, starts asking people questions. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. scary, because like, you're kind of like, yeah. oh, my goodness. And it's particularly if you know the priest, yeah. and he knows that you have some sense of what's going on, and he kind of looks to you for help because no one yeah. else is getting it right. Then you're in trouble. That's when you're really glad you go to Mass with your mom, who's got a Master's in Theology, and you're like, Mom, you say, what the heck's going on? And she'll, she'll tell you. But uh, anyway, but that, that scares me. But so much at the end, uh, not so much. I'd probably be a heckler if he, somebody did, if they did it to me. I'd if you came down? I'd give the wrong, uh, the wrong answer. On purpose? Like that, yeah. No, but you can't. Because uh, they're a, judging you. Everybody we, in Mass is we, judging you. We had a... Uh, I remember for my uh, confirmation, that we had the auxiliary bishop, and uh, he, the idea is you know, he's supposed to ask you questions... Yeah. Uh, to make sure you're ready to be confirmed, right? And he asked. We had the uh, the wedding of Cana. Mm-hmm. It was the uh, was the gospel, and he asked this kid. He goes, "So did it really matter that they ran out of wine?" And the kid's like, "Well, yeah." And, uh, <laughs> and, and he start. He goes with it. He's like, "Yeah, you're right. Everybody'd start fighting and everything. So Jesus had to change the water into wine, right? Yeah." Yeah, that, but, uh, the so bishops yeah, he, will recover sometimes. The kid threw him a curve, right? So yeah. he, he wasn't expecting that. Well, I don't know. I mean, 
Yeah, yeah. You gotta be careful. You gave the obvious answer. Yeah. I remember. I don't like priests being Phil Donahue like that. Go and ask the crowd. Yeah, and they do it, you know, and then they, particularly because I do go to Spanish Mass, and, and when they're walking towards the back, because usually I'm in the back, and they're walking towards the back, and you're kind of like, oh my God, they're coming over here, and if they ask me, I'm not even going to know how to respond <laughs> in correct Spanish, you know, it's not going to be Just good say you don't speak uh, Spanish. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. what, is that the, what this is the fish fry, I don't understand what's yeah. going on, whatever, anyway. <laughs> what's the next one? Uh... Let's see. Uh, well, I won't do, do all of them. Uh, your stomach turns over when you attend the parish and hear these words at the beginning of Mass. Turn and welcome those around you. Actually, yeah, that happened to me. I was at an unfamiliar parish uh, for Mass this week, uh, or this weekend. Because I, I, I was going to a particular dance, uh, swing dance downtown. So, and yeah, they, You like, going yeah, to a swing dance? Yes. Yeah, when did you start this? Uh, yeah. so we had four, four nights in a row of swing dancing, so... You know, this uh, This actually happened to me the other day at Mass. I, I was there, and it was again Spanish Mass, and I was there, and we did the side of the piece, and everybody was so friendly. And I think that it was because, and, and I kind of had this conscious effort going because I'm, I'm trying to do this a little more in my life generally. I was smiling real big, you know? Like, I usually like to walk, my preferred state of emotion it's kind of this quiet indignance, you know? It's yeah. just kind of my preferred state to walk around yeah, yeah, indignant yeah, about say, something yes. going on, I've right? Seen that state, You've yeah. seen me in that state probably most of the time slightly, because it's my preferred slightly state. Slightly angry. Yeah. And so, yeah, slightly angry. Everything's slightly angry. And, you know, really, quite frankly, at the end of the day, I mean, <laughs> you catch more flies with honey, you should be smiling, you know? I mean, I so I've tried a little bit to just put on a smile, and, of course, you smile in the, the whatever pheromones start, or yeah, endorphins hormones, and endorphins, stuff, whatever yeah. that yeah, is, and, that, it get, yeah. and it gets you going better. Yeah. But I've tried to smile more, and so in this instance, I was actually smiling big. And everybody just, you had such a positive response back from everybody around me. It was really quite remarkable and yeah. really worth it, I think, uh, to just try to smile in these, sense, in these instances when you're trying to shake people's hands. And you'll be so warm and so welcoming. It really, some of what you put in is what you get back out, but... Anyway, I, I I think that's great, you know, and, and, and so no, that one doesn't apply to me. Well, yeah, I uh, I just remember that like smiling. I think it used to evolve when like you know cavemen they they'd they'd you know, smile to show their teeth that like I could take a bite out of you if I needed to, just to you know to, to warn warn that's off a their theory neighbors. you have. It's just a, that's a, that's an old uh, that's a, that's an old uh, evolutionary theory about. Well, it's it, like so. laughing. Laughing makes uh, no sense. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's showing uh, approval, and so that they can know that you're showing approval, you make a noise. It could be, yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right, what else makes noise? Hyenas sense? laugh, right? Yeah, uh, but I don't know if they mean to. Yeah, they just but, maybe uh, talking to each other. So. Go to the Lion King. We'll have to watch what, the Lion King. What was the other one? No, was, uh, the Lord of the Rings characters that correspond to your personality type are definitely the most awesome. I think they mean like Aragorn. He was kind of an introvert. How uh, is that a Catholic thing? Uh, Boy, Lord of the Rings is Tolkien Catholic is a big Catholic. Catholic. I don't believe that. People is, say that. Uh, and, you know, that's Sam like saying... Sam apparently is also an introvert. And so is... Uh, well, Sam was not a very cool character. So, uh... He's the, kind of uh, a wuss. The strategist, uh, the, the king of the... What, the king of the elves? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, tell, tell me Tyler, how, uh, how, father how was that a Catholic... I know Tolkien was a Catholic guy, Just apparently. There's a lot of Catholic uh, things in there. What? So, I mean, yeah. Star Wars has Catholic things uh, in it then, too. Well, no, by that a, thing. Nah, it's more a Messiah Buddhist, figure that think, comes uh, in, and that's true. So not not Star Wars. It was still the enough one? of World War II and, ja- and Japanese... Uh, Terminator has another thing, you know, where, where the guy, he dies there, at the yeah. end, and he's, you know, sacrificing himself, and... Yeah, well, You know, I mean, there's a no, lot... No, but I mean, well, the Lord of the Rings, there's a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know, you have to look, there's... I mean, because he doesn't even die at why the it's, end. Uh, why it's... Catholic, why so. it is Catholic? Huh. It's got uh, certain things in there. I think that that's a marketing ploy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Hey, my thing is like the Catholics. How is it? Because there are elves. <laughs> there are no elves in the Bible. Um, It's Catholic. You know, oh, anyway, go ahead. Anyway. What's yeah, the next so. one? Uh, well, you know, there's the rebirth, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, what rebirth, the, uh, Gandalf, the gray becomes Gandalf, the white, you know, he that's di- like, he he's not even a main character. He's he like, a, yeah, of course he's, he's one of the main sec- characters. He's one yeah, of them. He's, he's a secondary character. He's, like saying, was, he's Sauron's counterpart. That's like saying I, I, I Peter, get into Peter dies and he comes out. back. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's not, whatever. it's not, not the point. Anyway, go so ahead. So then, uh, let's see. But anyway, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Um, the elf, he's, uh, he's also introvert, so. But anyway, um, let's see. Uh, you're pretty sure Jesus was an extrovert. How else could a person stand those kinds of crowds? He was uh, an extrovert. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes you go to pray not because you're pious, but because you need to escape other people. 
That's just true. That's hey, that one yeah. actually applies. Although, I gotta admit, I, I can't stand uh, the people that are that are whispering prayers in uh, adoration. They just drive me nuts. Well, sure, like, but that's I, not that's, saying. I, I prefer just like me and Jesus at adoration, and I don't have other people because every time they try to be quiet, they make more noise. I don't know if you ever noticed that. But I got friends that have. Huh? I've been in, when they try to be quiet in the adoration chapel. And then they're, they always make, seem to make more noise when they're trying to be quiet. I think that's a perception issue you have. No, but no, no, no. But, but uh, and especially like they, they mouth their prayers, like they think they're being quiet. It's like twelve year old kids. And man. they no, but they but they do. I don't know. There are people. There are grown. There are adults that go in that Irish chapel and do this, and it's huh. really really annoying. Interesting. Yeah. So they think they're being quiet, but they're not. It's it's actually worse than if they just talked out loud. I know that. So, yeah. That here, let me ask you a question, Joe, because uh, I've had this experience, and you might have had this experience. Have you ever gone to a swing dance where nobody knew who you were? Uh, no. You should try it. <laughs> oh no, I did. Actually, no, I didn't. Be, oh, I was up in Min- in um, Minneapolis. Hey, What's the closest you've gotten to it? Up in Minneapolis, there was one guy that I already knew. Right. But, I mean, I, what's the chances I'm gonna run into somebody I, I like I already know? In Minneapolis, but I did. It was he had actually already knew. Him but before, how was so. that feeling when you were just kind of anonymous? I, I actually, at your well, dance? I liked it. Uh, well, to be honest, it's um, it was kind of better because uh, oh, well, there was more people, new people to meet, so I was sort of forced to meet new people. So. Right. And but I've done. I've gone to parties where I only knew the host and maybe one other person, and then it was actually a there was dancing, and uh, uh, it was it was. I, I like to test my extrovert abilities occasionally just to. Push, you know, push the boundaries. So no, but I mean, the what I guess I'm getting at is every now and then it's really nice to be anonymous. You know, like yeah, every now and that. then I'll go to a country club just by myself, yeah. and actually I do it quite often now because you just go and you have nobody expecting you to dance with them, you know, or whatever. And if you want to, you can just sit there and have a beer and listen to the music and just relax. You know, and it's, yeah. it's very nice after a week of leading projects and doing a lot of extroverted stuff to just kind of. Be anonymous. Still in this very extroverted setting. Still a yeah. lot of lights flashing so my ADD is satisfied and whatever, <laughs> you know. And, and still with the beer in my hand so my alcoholism is satisfied oh, as that's well. Good, yeah. But but anonymous, you know. Yeah. Just, just kind of up there, you know. And then particularly, you're not concerned at that point about your pride and why do people think that you don't have friends or any of that sort of situation. Because, you know, you just go start dancing with people and then very soon you have a ton of friends. But it's 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 just a nice feeling. So I assume you've had yeah. that at some point, right? Where you've just been a I have because you're an extrovert. Yeah, back back before I knew a lot of people in this city. I guess I was more anonymous. Yeah, so, that's the thing. You uh, got to find an opportunity now, yeah, buddy, where yeah. you just go become anonymous <laughs> for a minute and just try it. Yeah, and just be like and be in complete control of the situation, but still be anonymous. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's really quite relieving. I'm sure if I went to a non-Catholic and non-swing dance. Thing. Maybe that would be a possibility of that. So <laughs> maybe but, uh, that's that's possible. Yeah. So, but yeah. So hey. So we're gonna have uh, our buddy Victor on the big show. And okay. uh, Speaking of a lot of people, so he's from India. Yeah. And uh, I've had this discussion and, with him about his wedding. Yeah, a lot of people there. Uh, and uh, but a lot of a lot of uh, there's a lot of Indians in the world. And actually, he's like a billion. Yeah, and he's Indian Catholic. Um, and there's only they're like less than three percent of the population of India. That's still a lot of people, though. So. I told my story when I was being interviewed about my sister in India finding the Indian Catholic because they had a, oh yeah yeah something a necklace or some sort of something you know that yeah. she picked out. But yeah, they're, they're there. They exist. There's a lot of them because, like you said, they're what a small percentage of a large population. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's the um, so spent some time with the Indian Catholic Association of Central Texas. Oh. Which which sounds like that only be a few people, but there's like hundreds of how Indian did, Catholics. How was in India evangelized or converted? What's the term? I don't know anymore. I mean, how's it going how was it converted? How did the Catholics get to India? Well, yeah, that's um, uh, first. There's Saint Thomas, who was doubting Thomas uh-huh. that he was he was uh, he was one of the first uh, ones to spread um, Christianity to India. So and and his followers are still there. So there's still there's still a Christian community from him. Really? Then, uh, yeah. Then um, also uh, Portuguese. Uh, the Portuguese went there and they colonized Goa. So it's a Portuguese influence there. Um, it's a very westernized part of the country, and that's got a lot of Catholics there. So um, Saint Francis Xavier is one of the big ones. Uh, that's in fact I'm trying to think of Saint Francis. That's the Saint Francis Xavier is one of the I think one of the patron saints of India. So, but it's still it's a small percentage of the population, but um, large number of people. Uh, and yeah, the uh, the Indian Catholics in Austin they're pretty fun. I've been to their Christmas party a couple times. Yeah, did some dance battles. Um, yeah, 
They call me. I'm known as Happy Feet among the the Indian cattle. Really? So, yeah. It's dubious distinction. Really? But, yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Well, they, they, you know, they'll do some bonger dancing at their Christmas parties, and uh, and they really call you Happy yeah. Feet, or you just yeah, you know, they call, they they call, call you Happy Feet. No, they call me Happy Feet. You spread that rumor. You guys should really call no, me Happy Feet. No, it's uh, one guy can call me Happy Feet. When is the next Indian cattle? I think it's coming Christmas up. Actually. I would like to I go. Uh, if, if you're listening, Victor, I know you're listening yeah. to your podcast. I don't know that he goes even. I'm more linked in actually with uh, the Indian. Well, Catholic, hook me up so, with that invite. I think that yeah, would be awesome. Yeah, I want to go. That would be so cool to check it out. I didn't go last year, so I want to go again. Yeah, let's let's see if we can figure that one out because I think that that would be cool. Yeah, it's pretty fun. What I like about the Indian Catholics is that um, when they party, like the whole, it's it's a village sort of atmosphere. It's like the whole family is there. They don't. It's not just like the parents show up and they got a babysitter. Like they bring everybody. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's more. It's a it's a family environment. So. Absolutely. And it proves you can like the have kids like. and still be party animals. So nice. They, they kind of prove hope that. for me yet. So yeah, yeah, there's hope for you. The. So. Um, Joe, that's by the way, that was excellent. Your response about India, I love, I love talking with you, man, because you really know your stuff and you really Thanks. know how to get this thing stuff through, and, and I appreciate it. And that's, it's always good. It's always good, buddy. Well, I like. Uh, thanks. I mean, I, I like Saint Francis Xavier. He died in the. Um in the Sea of Japan, yelling, souls, bringing more souls. So, I think we talked about that. told me that. that. He was on yeah. a boat or something. He was right? on a boat, yeah. A, he wanted more, he wanted more souls. That's really creepy. Bringing souls to God. No, I think yeah, I said so. the exact same comment. That was really creepy. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds creepy, really yeah. creepy. No, it's good. It's souls suck their souls. No, it wasn't today. He wanted to bring he was a he vampire? Wanted, he wanted them to be saved. Oh. So, yeah. But, but anyway, all right. Good. So, we should, uh, we should take a break, and uh, we'll be back with Victor. So, but thanks for being here for, you know, banter. All right, we'll take a break a little bit. Please join us on Thursday, December 5th at 7 p.m. for the John Paul II Life Center's third annual benefit. The John Paul II Life Center in Austin leads the way in creating a culture of life in Central Texas. Their threefold mission is to operate the Vitae Clinic, an OBGYN medical practice offering NAPRO technology that adheres to Catholic ethical and religious directives, promote life by offering 3D and 40 sonograms to mothers facing unexpected pregnancies, and provide education about chastity, fertility care, and religious freedom. We'll be joined by Patrick Madrid, host of EWTN's Right Here, Right Now, and author of 16 Catholic books, selling 750,000 copies worldwide. Also, Catholic convert Colin Ray, a multi-platinum recording artist whose hits have earned 10 Academy of Country Music Award nominations. Also, Sheila Logmanus, Relevant Radio's news director and host of A Closer Look. Again, this will be on Thursday, December 5th at 7 p.m. at the AT&T Center, 1900 University Avenue in Austin. There are individual tickets and sponsorships at varying levels available, and you can get those at www.jp2lifecenter.org or by calling 512-407-2900. And that website again is www.jp2lifecenter.org. Thank you. All right, so that was that was awesome banter, wasn't it? That was that was just that was just <laughs> yeah. awe-inspiring banter. It, yep. it changed my my view of the world. So, but uh, so anyway, so <laughs> so we're back. So I'm joined by my buddy uh, Victor. And okay, why don't you pronounce your last name just in case I mess it up? Uh, it's uh, Selvaraj. It's pronounced right Selvaraj. Okay, there you go. I got it, Selvaraj. Okay, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, actually, that's one of the easier to pronounce Indian names, I think. Actually, so but, yeah, easy. Well, not well, as America's easy as Patel. Not. Patel, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, Americans encounter a lot more Patels than Selvarajas, right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Oh, actually, I've only run into, to be honest, I've only run into one, although I've run, uh, my buddy Sanjay Pat, uh, Patel, or oh. see, I call him Patel, P-A-T-I-L? Uh, there's no Patel, it's Patel, E-L. Patel. E-L. Yes. Oh, he, he spells his P-A-T-I-L. I-L? Oh, yeah, it could okay. be something numerology related. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Indian people but. follow numerology a lot. Yeah, I see. So okay, so uh, yeah, so thanks for being on the show. Now I'm uh, yeah, I'm trying to think how long you've been one of my people. Now it's like five, six years or something. Yeah, al- almost five years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was it was the St. Albert's group. It's uh, their yes, uh, yeah, they indeed. Started out there, then migrated to the twenty something, obviously. Yes. And, <laughs> and that's where you met your uh, 
your current wife. Yes, I do. Well, you're your wife, not current. Yes. Like, yeah, <laughs> who, is now, who is now your wife? The yeah. Yes. So, the girl I not, met who is now my wife. Not, not your yes. first wife. Yeah, your wife. Okay. Yes. So, and then, uh, <laughs> that was awesome. I'm going to get you into trouble. No, or me. Uh, so, um, yeah, so five, six years now. Um, trying to think. Oh, yeah, so you're, you're an Indian and a Catholic and an engineer. So. Yes. I'm a Catholic and an engineer, but I'm not an Indian, really. So, but I, so I can really own like two out of three things. <laughs> two but out of three for what? For yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so all the dark factors. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there, there's a yeah, and I have uh, engineers are uh, obviously surrounded by Indians in the engineer world. So that's yeah. true. So yes. we, we have that. So now, yeah, I wanted to talk about. Um, so that's the thing is, is people think, oh, if. Uh, uh, well, they do. I guess Americans in general do know that India has a variety of religions, mm-hmm. um, but they normally think, okay, Hindu or Buddhist mm-hmm. mostly, and 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 uh, Muslim mm-hmm. right in in India. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but there's Catholics in India. Yeah. And although it's about, I think the numbers were about, like, it's under three percent of the population mm-hmm. there, right? Yeah. So, but still, that's a lot of people. Though. Yes. <laughs> Considering a nation of a billion people. Yeah. So we're quite a bit there. Twenty to thirty million Catholics yes. there. So now, what part of India actually are you from? I don't think I ever asked you. The southern part, state of Tamil Nadu. Um, the actual pronunciation is Tamil Nadu, hmm. and uh, I'm from the city of Chennai. Um, the British named it Madras. Okay, Madras. Yeah. Uh, I was born there, uh, lived there all my life, and uh, the so- South India has a pretty interesting Christian demographic. Um, it's largely Protestant, mm-hmm. but um, there's quite a few uh, Catholics there, too, because we have quite a few major Catholic churches and uh, shrines. Um, for example, my city ha- is home to um, St. Thomas Cathedral. Okay, yeah. Where St. Thomas, the apostle, is at, was actually martyred and buried. Okay. Yeah, I know that he... Uh, that- People always talk about him being doubting Thomas, right? But then once he uh, his doubts were done, then he was all, yeah. over, all out uh, all over the place, right? Yeah. Um, and I know that, so. There's still a community of people um, that he, I mean, that he founded. I mean, mm-hmm. part of part of the so uh, trying to um, trying to remember now. So uh, there was uh, there's the Portuguese influence, yes, um, right. Then there's also the church. I mean, so the, they came way after him, though, yes. right? Then there's the ones that were actual Christians that are there because of St. Thomas himself, yes. right? Well, so. the Christians who were there because of St. Thomas were very small in number. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were quickly, uh, how, how do you say, they, they did not grow much in numbers. Yeah. Um, the uh, the local population or the Hindu um, ruling um, caste or the rulers who were in charge of that region uh, did not allow Christianity to flourish any further. Yeah. So it took more missionaries and like people like the Portuguese, the French. Um, it's Saint Francis Xavier. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and all of those people came in and brought Christianity on a much newer level. Um, the other thing was, um, this is interesting to talk about. One of the reasons why Christianity started to flourish in in South India was, I think you might. Bring come to this question later is about the caste system that yeah. I wanted to talk about. So when the caste system started to deteriorate, when people of lower caste uh, were started to were were being treated badly, uh, Christianity ca- came in and they started accepting everybody. Yeah, basically saying like we don't care which caste you are, you're all welcome into our churches. And people of those lower castes who were used to being treated really badly by the upper caste religious people felt it refreshing. They were like, wow, we could, we'd be welcomed into their church yeah, and treated like equal and not like untouchables. So they started converting to Christianity en masse, hmm. like, uh, like really, really large numbers of uh, uh, most backward and uh, tribal people started converting to Christianity. Okay. And that's probably where all the missionaries started to go. They started to go all to all the hill regions and to people who were... In the fringes of the society, yeah. the most backward, uh, the tribes, the we call it the scheduled castes. I know it's a weird pronunciation, the scheduled castes. Uh, it started to um, bring Christianity to them, and they welcomed it very well. Um, even though they did not like completely abandon all of their cultural background with, that is associated with their religion, they started adopting Christianity more 
willingly yeah. than the upper caste people. That's interesting. That's sort of the way that, that Christianity start, uh, started. The early church, I mean, started with the outcasts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus spent the time with the, the poor and the outcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the Roman Empire, it, it, it started through the, um, through the, the poor uh, class and the slaves mm-hmm. and then worked its way up into the, uh, um, the, higher, the higher levels of society. That's interesting that it's yeah, repeated again uh, that way. Um, so yeah, that's the thing. Or right? Saint Paul says, you know, there's no, there's neither slave nor free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, it's interesting that it worked out that way. Um, so it, now, um, yeah, I know about. Uh, I had a friend that came. Actually, he he wasn't uh, Catholic, but he was uh, trained by the you know uh, nuns um, mm-hmm. and, in Goa. And he, he always talked about how Goa is where um, American surfer dudes oh, yeah. always go. Right? Yeah. Uh, so he, he was familiar with like American <laughs> hippies and surfers, right? Yeah. In Goa. But that's also the big Catholic, uh, one of the big Catholic bastions. Right? Yes. So. Yes, indeed. Um, I never had the chance to go to Goa, but I've heard a lot about it. And yes, a lot of Westerners come to vacation in Goa. Hmm. And um, the society itself uh, is quite different from other parts of the country in Goa. They are very accepting of foreigners and uh, um, people of other cultures. Um, like, for example, um, Westerners can come to their beaches and vacation there like they were in a Western beach. Yeah. And it'll be totally fine. You don't have to worry about, you know, onlookers or anything, about dress code. It, it's totally fine, and they are very well accepting of it. Hmm. Um, so Goa is probably one of the well-known destinations because the culture is so adapted towards western westerners just going about their business and vacationing there all the time so it's because the um uh i mean i'm assuming partly because the that that's where the portuguese Mm -hmm. uh, colonized right so it's yeah they're already used to the westerners exactly as a a part of their culture yep so what about um i guess yeah well so uh in terms of the caste system so you have um you have four major four major castes Mm -hmm. right the brahmins uh Mm -hmm. Brahmins at the top, it's the uh, the priest caste, right? Yes. Then the king caste. Uh, well, is that the, the next one? And there's warrior and worker? Is that the... That, okay, so you're going Vedic on me. <laughs> okay. So uh, those are the Vedic definitions of uh, the four major castes. The uh, the rulers, the scholars, the warriors, and the peasants. Yeah. Um, but the ruler caste is not there anymore. The warrior caste is not there anymore. Okay. It's only the scholars and the peasants. Okay, so the, but okay, so the scholar. Okay, so because I always thought the Brahmin was like the, uh, the, priests, the priest, priests, and okay, priest, priests, priests and scholars. Priests and scholars were the Brahmins, and uh, okay. Brahmins are now considered. Okay, so the the federal government in India classifies castes into four categories. Um, there's a backward, most backward, scheduled tribe, scheduled caste. There's no forward. <laughs> Backward. Yes. Explain backward. that. How, how is this because of the new socialist government? They, I mean, they're considering the yeah. caste system to be backward. So yes. Uh... So there's backward, most backward, <laughs> scheduled caste, and scheduled tribes, uh, uh, in decreasing orders of how badly they were treated. Yeah. Okay. So the backward caste were like the slightly okay, like all right, we'll let you into our schools kind of people. Yeah. Most backwards, like, you don't get to go to school. Schedule tribe is you don't get to come into our city. Schedule tribe is stay in your hills. Okay. <laughs> in terms of, okay, so it's like ranked in terms of how intolerant they are yes. or everybody else. Okay. Yes. That's interesting. <laughs> and everybody other than the castes that fit into these four groups were cons- uh, are classified as other castes. So there's yeah. no forward caste per se. Other castes fall into all the... Rich caste, basically Brahmins or any other caste that do not fall into these categories. Um, I, my community, my caste actually belong to the backward caste. Okay. The BCs, uh, we call ourselves. But then, do they consider? Uh, now I know in terms Chitty of like Westerners, uh, Westerners are just not even part of the caste system, right? So like the no. Brit- the Britishers that came in. Uh, no. Um, and then. But then, what about how? Uh, then, how do Catholics? I thought Catholics also aren't part of the caste system. Really, Not really. Or... Well, we still we still belong to our castes. Um, like for example, I was born, raised Catholic, and my family were all Catholic, but we still belong to the the Chetiar caste. Yeah. And we all we all have our community, and uh, there are a lot of Chetiars in our community from my dad's birthplace, that is, which is Coimbatore, and we all know each other for many generations. So uh, we still belong to our castes, but the uh, the stigma is not there anymore. Yeah, so it's more of a, um, almost like a tribal 
kind of kind of like a clan sort of a community kind of thing like yeah. uh you would say hey uh, i'm from uh san antonio hey where are my san antonio peeps are kind of thing yeah yeah uh, texans okay. or like if you, like how you relate to other texans but it's not is it is it tied to a i mean so the casts have to do with um uh, I mean, it's it cast is determined by, by somebody's birth and by the family they mm-hmm. come from. Um, is it also, is it then it's also tied to us, the village or the city you come from? Uh, well, or, I mean, what, if, if things are, if people are moving around though, right? Then it people moved it's around. Yeah, people moved around in the last fifty years. Before yeah. that, transportation was not so prevalent, and people did not move to other cities in search of employment. So, uh, if there was a community. Uh, of people they stayed in one city because they knew each other it was like a very good support system yeah like uh my cast which was chetiars we were merchants and uh, cotton weavers and uh, um cloth merchants and stuff we basically we we were in, we had um what's the right word I'm, tr- I'm trying to find um handlooms okay yeah we were very good with handlooms so in the part of city that our community used to live, we had tons and tons of handlooms. We made lots of good f- fabric and cloth, and we were merchants too. So it helped us economically to be in the same geographical area. But as and when um, education started to uh, get more accessible, transportation was more accessible, people started to move. Um, my dad moved to Madras in search of employment. Um, he started working for the government. And um, that's that's how people move. But even after they move, they still associate themselves with that community. So my dad often goes back to Coimbatore because a lot of his brothers are still there. Yeah. Uh, his second cousins, third cousins, they're all still there. So we still we still associate ourselves with that community because they are quite related to us, uh, not just uh, through familial, but like business relationships, family relationships, uh, neighbors, kind of thing. What about? Uh... So, uh, in terms of in terms of Catholicism, like how far back does that go in your family? Uh, as far as I can remember, I think it's my great grandparents. Before them, they were Hindus. Okay. So they converted to Christianity. I think that's what I that's what my dad remembers. I I don't think he remembers anything beyond that. Hmm. He told me that my grandparents' parents, my great grandparents, were probably Christian. Um, before them, they they were Hindus. Okay. So, um, okay. So I mean, so also there's a certain amount of, um, I mean that, you know, your cousins and second cousins are mm-hmm. probably you know uh, uh, all Catholic. Or, yeah, you know, they are. So, so you have that in addition to the caste identification, mm-hmm. you have yep. the you have the the church identification too. Mm-hmm. So. It's pretty awesome actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, what about uh, in terms of growing up in a country where it's um, uh, where you know you have you, you know your neighbors are Hindu or Muslim or I mean is it what is it do things tend to be people tend to be in enclaves or is it I know that for instance that I, um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the rich people in India regardless of religion they'll have their kids in the Catholic schools yes because uh, they like the mm-hmm. um, they seem to give the best education. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how um, how did that work with you and, and your uh, your school? Did you have other you have Hindus and uh, oh, yeah. and others in your classes? Oh um, yeah, like uh, I went to a Catholic high school. It was run by Mo- the Montfort Brothers of Saint Gabriel, but it was funded by the state uh, by the city government, uh, state government. Sorry. Yeah. So the teacher, man, that would never go over here, right? Yes, uh, there will be people screaming about. Yes, uh, yes. So the, the, the teachers were state employees. <laughs> they drew a state salary, yeah. but the administration was uh, was done by uh, Montfort Brothers of Saint Gabriel, and okay. they were very strict about their academics and sports and everything. Yeah, uh, they bought a certain standard. They enforced that standard on the on the kids and on the education system. So a Christian school had um what you call a popularity yeah. in india so if a kid went to a christian school like saint michael's uh saint Thomas, saint beads um these schools were like very popular in my city mm-hmm. it was almost prestigious to send your kid to the school um parents would like get in lines to get in yeah. uh, they would try to get recommendation letters to get their kid into these schools so it's actually quite nice to go to a catholic school um 
specifically for the reason that they get good education, even though um, the staff is um, our state employees, it's not run like a government-run school. Yeah, it's it's run like a private school, and that was quite nice. Um, growing up, um, I, li I like you brought up that point. Growing up, um, we were surrounded by people um, from Hindus uh, and Muslims. Yeah, all around us because it was a very tightly packed city. Um, but my neighborhood where I grew up, we were there. There was a, quite a few more Catholics than Hindus. Okay. The reason why is that we were very close to uh, my parish. Uh, my my parish was Saint Lazarus. Uh, now it's known as Saint Our Lady of uh, the Church of Our Lady of Guidance. Okay. Um, <clears throat> So there were quite a few Christian people in in that couple of city blocks around the around the church. We call it the parish, right? Um, but there were also a lot more Hindus and Muslims in our neighborhoods. Yeah, and it was awesome growing up hmm. around Hindus and Muslims. Yeah, it was incredible. Like during Eid and uh, Ramzan, we would get. Um, Platters of sweets and oh yeah, uh, they got all the festivals and stuff. Right? Oh yeah, so. the kids would bring us treats and biryani yeah. and food and and we would send them back stuff. Uh, my mom would like make homemade sweets and savory snacks and give us plate. Uh, you know, they bring us a platter of stuff of goodies. We have to fill it back up with something else and oh, just yeah. take it back. back. We can't home. take up take back an empty plate. That's yeah. disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> so we do that for uh, for Hindus too. During yeah, Diwali, we, during... we went out. Yeah, Diwali. Uh, we went out to that uh, uh, that one party uh, downtown. Oh yeah. And well, kinda... they're trying to like keep it up, but Diwali in India is insane. Yeah. If the whole country erupts in celebration, doesn't matter if you're Hindu or Muslim or Christian, nobody cares. They celebrate Diwali like crazy. And Diwali's the festival of lights. Yes, right, yeah. it's a festival of lights. Although it has its origin in Hinduism. Everybody celebrates Diwali. You get yeah. clothes, you get new fancy clothes, you get sweets, you get um, firecrackers like crazy. The whole city erupts. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, nobody, nobody hides their religious affiliation. Yeah, that's the thing. So here you would say, oh, you're going to offend people of other faiths if, if the if the if the government uh, number one with with the school. Oh, if the government endorses a Catholic school, you're going to offend people of other faiths. Um, you don't. It doesn't sound like people are screaming there that, uh, you know, Muslims and Hindus are screaming that the government's subsidizing a Catholic school because they're sending their kid to that Catholic school. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And there were a lot more Hindu and Muslim students in my school than Christian students. Yeah. So they knew that their kids had much better chance of getting a good education in those schools. And there were Hindu um, um, Governed, oh, sorry, um, managed schools, government runs, uh, government sponsored schools that were run by Hindu management. Yeah, and these were they were of very good standards too, but they were very fewer. They were much fewer in numbers than Christian management schools. Hmm. Uh, Christian managements had way more schools and colleges, and other educational institutions all over this all over the country. Yeah, it's interesting because we think. I mean. Because the you know the modern Indian state is considered as being more socialist than the American state, mm -hmm. um, very much. And I mean, part of it is that uh, Friend had said that well, that there needed to be a certain amount of socialism in order to counteract the caste system because there were the caste system is sort of entrenched. Yes. Um, but that's interesting. That I mean, it, but in terms of there's there's not this idea that okay, the socialist system means that God and religion have to be moved out of the public square. No, no, no. Instead, uh, it's a uh, it's actually quite interesting how much the politicians exploit religion for their own own means. It's, yeah. it's kind of sad. Well, that's kind of a universal, right? That's... <laughs> it's like uh, they they try to they try to keep religious affiliation so much into their politics. It's almost like uh, really do you want to like split up your vote bank based on that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it's kind of terrible. Um, but yes, the federal government actually recognizes all the three major religions, Hinduism, Christianity, and Islam. Yeah. Um, the major festivals are, are federal bank holidays. That's a lot of, okay, that's, that's going to be a lot then. Yeah, yeah. That, that's quite a so, few holidays for us, yeah. religious holidays. I worked for a Taiwanese company, and I was saying, you know, like, they get, they get off, I think they would get off whenever we, some of our, our holidays, but then they get off, you know, like, Buddha Day and stuff, you know. Yeah. I'm like, man, we don't get off Buddha Day, and they were getting off Christmas, <laughs> I think, you know, so... 
Yeah, like uh, we would get holidays for Saraswati Puja and Bakrid and uh, um, Christmas, Easter. Yeah. Like we got we got federal holidays like crazy. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, uh, there's a book called uh, The Bad Catholic's Guide to Good Living, and it talks about how in the Middle Ages. Um, a third of the church calendar is festivals, or is feast days. So it actually was like the Catholic view of the world is a bit is quite a bit more partying than than in the the Protestant uh, work ethic world. Where now we're you know we're down to you know ten or twelve federal holidays. So, but, yeah. So. All right. Well, we'll take you know no offense to my Protestant friends. It's all good you know. But anyway, all right. So we'll, we'll take a break and we'll be back. Okay. This is Joan Pearsall, and I'm glad to be one of Joe's people. You're listening to Joe's People. Why not pop round to our website at joespeople.com? That's J-O-E-S-P-E-O-P-L-E dot com. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Joe's People. Thank you ever so much. Are you looking for the best Catholic content on the web or wondering how your parish or ministry can take advantage of social and new media? Hi, I'm Jason Alzando, co-founder of Austin Catholic New Media. Our team of bloggers, podcasters, and new media experts are dedicated to serving the church and spreading her message of God's love and mercy. We connect Catholics and collaborate on new and existing media projects in the Central Texas area. We promote and highlight the great things that Catholics are doing with new media in the Diocese of Austin and beyond. Our team is here to help educate your parish or ministry by providing education, support, and consultation on how to use new and social media to further your mission. We host the award-winning Two Guys to Grow on a Catholic podcast and are home of the best collection of bloggers and podcasters in the Austin Diocese. If you'd like to find out more about Austin Catholic New Media, make sure you check out our website, austincnm.com. That's austincnm.com. All right, so we're back. <laughs> Don't worry, I edit all this. I edit all, all everything out pretty much. Yeah. Um, so what about? Um, so now, okay. So you're an immigrant. You came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when and and why did you come to the U.S.? So I came to the U.S. December two thousand six. Okay. Um, I came here to um, work on my master's degree in electrical engineering. Um, uh, I went to Oklahoma State in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Okay. I know that might offend some of your listeners. I'm it's sorry. all good. Yeah. You know, I did not. I, I did not. I did not know I would be settling down in Austin if I had known. You um, wouldn't have gone to Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I did apply to UT Dallas, and they turned me down. It's, <laughs> it's, like, all, it's all good. It's, it's all good. It's fine. <laughs> what about uh, wait? So, okay, so you went from uh, you go from India to Oklahoma State. So yes. Um, yeah. So that's an interesting. Uh, Transition. Uh, transition yeah. Yeah. Well, my so. brother went there. He did his uh, MBA in Oklahoma State, so he recommended that school. Yeah. So I, I applied for the electrical engineering program, and they gave me funding for my master's program. So cool. I figured, wow, this is cool. I'll, I'll go there. So uh, wait. So what's the what's the town? Um, Stillwater. Stillwater, Oklahoma. It's like sixty miles from Oklahoma City. Okay. So is okay. So it's more of a suburb of Oklahoma City. So you're you got. It's not. It's not. It's a very small town. Okay. It's a very small college town in the middle of nowhere. Sixty miles. Yeah. I, I see. Went to Purdue, and it was in West Lafayette, Indiana, sixty-five mm-hmm. miles from Indianapolis. So. Yeah. But uh, kind of middle of nowhere. But then it has its own culture and community yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. So, so um, yeah. I remember uh, um, uh, I talked with a friend who was um, actually she's a um, my friend Candy. She's she's from India. She talked about. Um, she called the international uh, students ah, that, yes. uh, and all the partying that would go on in a certain, mm. uh, although I guess engineers, not as much, but uh, no. she, she talked about all this partying that international students did. But uh, yeah. um, uh, I would say, you mean the darn foreigners? She goes, no, international students. I'm like, okay, now we call them them <laughs> in Texas. Yeah, so. Our parties but, uh, are way more tame <laughs> than you might consider what parties are. Yeah, they're more uh, like... Um, uh, you sit around, watch movies, and eat spicy food. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's more like um, maybe we drink a lot. You big, know. big Bang Theory uh, type yes, parties. Yes, most yeah. likely play board games. Yeah, quite nerdy parties. But, well, uh, when I was at Purdue, my Asian friends would tell me I was studying too hard. So that's when <laughs> that's when I knew I need to back off a bit. They're like, man, maybe you should chill out a little bit. Uh, you know, you know yeah, was, uh, yeah, go out. That was the 
Somebody had it was an, the way an Asian par- parent responds to the Beatitudes. They said, "Why not a attitudes?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen that meme. Yes. <laughs> so, um, okay, so now yeah, you came to Austin uh, eventually after yes. after you get your master's. So, um, all right, so now yeah, and then so you you uh, meet the girl that eventually becomes your wife. Um, now. Uh, uh, Christy, so what? Uh, see, I never asked her what Christy, uh, what field she uh, she's, she's in. She's uh, she's a librarian uh, at um, PCL Library, UT Austin. Okay, all right. She's so a professional so, librarian. So she's okay with uh, with the brainy types and with uh, yes. you know being uh, and being quiet <laughs> and all that. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. It, it, she actually is quite okay with it. Yeah, she seems <laughs> she, she seems fine with that. There's actually a picture of me talking to Christy at a party. Yes. And, and I, I try to make it look like I'm making a point, and it, it looks like I'm making a point. And it looks like she's like agreeing, mm-hmm. and it, it, we weren't talking about anything. It was just a pose. <laughs> it was just a pose. But I, I like to look in pictures that like I'm explaining mm-hmm. something, or, you know, and people are paying attention. So, um, oh, I like to say something. So, you were the first guy who introduced me to swing dancing. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, I, I was going to talk about that. How I, you know, I did help uh, teach yes. you how to. Uh, Although you took a two-step after, but we won't get into that. But but yeah, so uh... still swing is my first <laughs> favorite. Two-step game after that, but yeah. it it gave me exposure to this new concept called dancing. Yeah, which I never knew before, and uh, that actually gave me um, more confidence to that I say approach women. <laughs> It helps, right? Yes, it, it, uh, yes. Growing up it, in a bo- in a in a society where you know everybody, inclu- especially my parents and my college administration, my school administration, everybody tried to limit the boys' exposure to girls. Yeah, because women are mostly trouble. If you think yes, about it. But yeah, so, yes. Yeah. Uh, my, my I'm going to lose all my women listeners saying that. But, so, yeah, so my mom used to tell me <laughs> that uh, if I'm not careful, uh, some wo- some woman would take advantage of my <laughs> awesome abilities. And I still ask her, like, where is this woman who's supposed to take advantage of me? I, I never met you her. You haven't met the one that's supposed no, to take advantage of me. No, yeah. I did not. I did not meet any. Still disappointed about that. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, I, I kid, I kid. Yeah. But um, that gave me a, an opportunity to work on my self-confidence. And, you know, dancing was very, very important part of uh, my personal development at that yeah. time. And uh, I I noticed that change in my personality, and that eventually um, helped me to meet my wife, Christy. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of our mutual interests that got us going was uh, was um, was two step yeah. country dancing. That's cool. Uh, the twenty something used to go country dancing a lot. That's and, all Trey. Uh, that's Trey. Trey's well, right yes, now. Trey dragged me into that. <laughs> I was I was into swing more, um, and she's all she knows how to do swing too. So she actually enjoyed dancing with me. And yeah, I remember you guys. Yeah, you always come to the Fed. Yeah, come out swing yeah. dancing. And uh, oh. and thank you. Sure, I'm glad, glad to facilitate. You had a you had a, posi- you had a positive effect that, on you. That's good. So I've done some good in my life. Yes. Okay, that's. Uh, we like to thank God and the Holy Spirit for working, but okay, yes. it's good. Yeah, helped out a little bit, and I got to credit Brian Lasseter because he's yes, Brian. He, he's the one that uh, got me into it. So. Oh, but, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, he was there too. I believe I remember. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it was the yeah the Catholics are the, are the reason that I uh, swing dance, mm. and also they're the ones that got me drinking. Although not not oh. to excess, but just you know, <laughs> they, I, I you know just uh, that's why I, when I started hanging out with Catholics, I learned how to get downtown for a happy hour. You know, the best mm. way. So. Um, but uh, you know that, that's to be expected. So, but yeah. actually, the swing dancers uh, are the reason that I drink water because uh, yeah. to stay hydrated. <laughs> so it's actually they're more puritanical than the Catholics. So, yes, yeah, they so. they drink a lot more water. <laughs> I heard from my friend Matthew that um, when when they have these syndicates uh, in different cities, the uh, the bars actually hate them because yeah. they don't buy any alcohol. They keep drinking water. Yeah, they, they yeah, keep they, dancing. They, that was the, in the nineties. Um, that was the reason we formed the syndi- the swing syndicate. Uh, is is um, because in the nineties there was a big boom in swing dancing, mm-hmm. and then they the club owners would book swing bands, and then the swing dancers show up and drink only water, <laughs> and then and then the club owners like I'm not booking any more swing bands, right? So then it died. Swing was going to die, and then they started the Austin Swing Syndicate to keep it going. Keep and then now we know like if I get water, then I tip. You know, I'll, 
tip a dollar or something for water or buy bottled water, right? And then also we learn to like, okay, get a beer occasionally and also yes. eat, you know, and uh, yeah. so we're, so we're better guests now than we, you know, we, we've learned. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're not, we're not nuisances, you know, but, yes. uh, um, but yeah, that was, uh, um, yes, yeah, he swing almost died because of that. So we had, we got, we got to keep, uh, now we're on good terms with the clubs and stuff. Yes. So in fact, they like having us around, uh, sometimes for, um, to keep, uh, you know, it like people pay t- more attention to the band if there's somebody dancing. Oh, so. Yeah. Yeah. so they kind of, some of the clubs will actually invite us out. So, oh, yeah. very so. good, very cool. So thanks, yeah, I appreciate uh, uh, that. Um, what about uh, so yeah? So there's there's a whole Indian Catholic uh, community in Austin or yes. in Austin in Central Texas, the mm-hmm. Indian Catholic Association of Central Texas. Yes, and you'd think that'd be like two people, but no, there's like hundreds. <laughs> no. Yeah, th- there's, there's hundreds of Indian Catholics there. in Texas. Right? Yes. And uh, uh, I've been to the I've been to the Christmas party a couple times and Taste of India. Yes, Taste of India I, is pretty cool. I just missed that. I uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, I missed this one this year too. This year was quite busy for me. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, but the um, yeah, the Indian Christmas party's coming up, and uh, that's always what's interesting with that. Actually, is um, in other um, in other I would say in, I don't know American cultural Catholic like the culture mm-hmm. is that we tend to split up by age. Um, where the people with kids are, are off in one area and the old people are off in another and the singles are off in another, right? Mm-hmm. I go to the Indian Catholic Association dinner and like everybody's like, everybody's there. Everybody's there with their family. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's the dance floor opens up and all these old people dance with all these young people. And like, I mean, like all the families are together and it's like, even though you ha- you're married and with kids, like you can still, like they didn't stop partying until like, it was like midnight or something. I don't know. <laughs> and it's like even like, and I've been told this, uh, my friend Candy told me this about her parents is that she remembers her parents like keeping her up with their parties. That uh, um, So it's like even though, uh, okay, not that people with kids are boring, but I mean, even though you have this big family, like there's still this party environment kind of mm-hmm. yeah. still, this festival type of thing. Um that kind of opened my eyes on that one because I that's that's not that well okay I grew up in a massive family mm-hmm. there was seven of us but um uh it was it wasn't as, as communal as that mm-hmm. it was like we have our family and that's its own little world mm-hmm. but here it seemed like it was more community based yes well families interacted with other families and uh, um like back back home in India you did not have a social circle you had. A neighborhood circle like for example my parents if they were friends with another family from our parish I was friends with their kids yeah kind of thing um, and we all hung out and we did stuff um, and if it was a big celebration um, all those families would get together we get food the, the women would hang out together the guys would hang out together the children would hang out together that's quite common yeah uh, a big group of families multiple families just Hanging out, just doing stuff together. Hmm. Um, it's it's never like, uh, hey, let's throw a party and it's only the kids and uh, all the grown-ups uh, just leave the house. No, that that never happens. It's it's every it's everybody's included. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like a um, how would you say a Bollywood movie? Yeah, you know how like a Bollywood movie at the end they're always dancing in the streets. All, no, it, that <laughs> <laughs> we don't dance on the streets. <laughs> But I've been told in just about every Bollywood movie, like at the very end, everybody's always dancing. They want to, yes. It reflects what everybody (laughs) wants to do, but doesn't get to do. It's always a fantasy. But it's how it it caters to every every demographic in a Bollywood movie. It it has uh, emotional stuff for the women. It has action for the young people. It has uh, some comedy for the male um, uh, population. It has something for the kids, a um, little bit of CGI for the teenagers or stuff like that. I don't know. It has a little bit of everything. So you bring your whole family together, your grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, yeah. brothers, just everybody. Just go as a big group, enjoy a two and a half hour movie, a big bite of popcorn, and everybody's happy. It's kind of like that. Every social situation has to be entertaining and inclusive to everybody. And also... So that is, um, you know, in America we have, you know, the nuclear family and it's, uh, um, it's kind of rare now to have this extended family. Yeah. Um, but I see among my Indian friends that they'll have the, if they have, uh, you know, a new baby on the, uh, well, obviously a new baby, you know, but, uh, um, if they got a the baby newborn. on the way, the, um, the, um, mother-in-law will show up and yes. she'll be there for months. Yes. Um, to help out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, we joke in, in America about, oh, God, mother-in-law's here, you know, and it's going to be, a, you know, friction and stuff, right? But, uh, um, I mean, that's, that's viewed as, like, no, that's, you know, that's necessary. Good. And, that's uh, actually pretty good, there's not There's not friction, and it's not like, oh, she's not cramping our style, and, you know. <laughs> uh, no. I mean, we had that in my in my family, to be honest, but, I mean, it's, uh, I see it more, um, I see it more prevalent in, in my, in my uh, Indian friends. You know? Yes, yes, that's actually part of um, tradition. Where um, if uh, if if someone's if uh, if the girl gets pregnant, uh, if it's a first child, um, during the last three months, um, I think the third trimester, uh, she actually goes to her mother's house and stays there for the last three months, hmm. till she has the baby, and for maybe for a month or two more, she'll still stay there, and the guy can actually go and stay with her. Yeah. Um, but this is like much older tradition now. The, there are more nuclear families, so the mother-in-law and father-in-law, they come and stay with the girl's family yeah. for a couple of months, help her out, you know, get her used to, you know, dealing with the newborn. Um, and it's quite common for, for Indian parents to do that. Hmm. Um, my, uh, my mother came to help out with uh, my sister-in-law's uh, uh, first child, um, uh, and uh, her mother came here too, and she was pregnant. Um, so, actually, um, my sister-in-law's mom came came here more often um, to help out Manisha and um, with her kids than my parents did. My parents came afterwards; like they didn't try to like overlap so that yeah. they don't get overwhelmed with like both sets of parents in their house. Yeah, it's probably better <laughs> to spread it out, right? So, yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, okay, so now you've you're you're newly married. I was uh, I went to your your wedding. I did some dancing, <laughs> and then uh, so I yeah I joke or no I don't joke, but I tell about how uh, and at the Indian Indian Catholic uh, dinner uh, Christmas dinner, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm known among the Indians now after after dancing there as uh, as Happy Feet. Ah so, yes. But yeah, so uh, not dances with wolves though, but Happy Feet. So. <laughs> but uh, so what? Uh, <laughs> Well, they were doing uh, they were doing some type of traditional dancing, and I was doing my uh, hmm. I was doing collegiate shag, but you know, to techno music, so it looked like techno dancing, you know. Yeah. But uh, um, so uh, yeah. So how many how many months of marriage has it been now? About so three. Three. Okay. Yeah. So how's how's marriage how's married life treating you? How's it? Married uh, life is pretty good. Um, it's um, some adjustments. Yeah, some adjustments. I'm getting used to living with a girl full time, like, mm-hmm. oh, and she's getting used to living with a guy. <laughs> like, Oh crap! We we have a roommate now. So yeah, yeah. I never had a roommate before, so. And she's I, always there, so yeah. Which, yeah. Which is good. Which is good. I save uh, <laughs> save a lot of a lot on gas now. <laughs> that's a good advantage. <laughs> yeah, you don't normally think of that. Yeah, so save it on gas. That's good. You yeah. save on gas. You save on uh, eating out a lot. So now you make. Uh, are you able to cook any Indian food? Yes. Or, uh, yes. Okay, because sometimes uh, you know. If if mom does all the cooking, you know, then it's you know not necessary. But yeah, actually, most of my Indian friend guy friends they have they have Indian cooking skills. And then yeah. she's so she's a Cajun, right? So she, uh, no, or, actually, uh, or she uh, what uh, French I've and Italian. Okay, see, because I thought her last name was her maiden name was Beauchemin, so I assumed that she's in Texas. So I assume she's uh, Cajun now. Cajun, okay. okay. French and Italian. Okay, so uh, okay, so she's got that kind of she's mm-hmm. cooking that kind of food. So yeah. So is it like American uh, fair, just curry one night and then you know meatballs, the uh, spaghetti meatballs the next night and sort of that's actually spot or... on. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> our I... our weekly dinner calendar looks like that. Uh, <laughs> we got we got tacos, we got chicken curry, and then we got spaghetti, and then we... <laughs> that all works. It keeps it interesting. Yeah, and then we got stir fry. <laughs> it's, it alternates. That that's a pretty that, that's a standard Austin. Probably a pretty standard Austin, you know, dinner routine anyway, right? Yeah. Since we, uh, in fact, I started eating Indian food when I came to Austin. So, uh, Taj Palace, that was the first Indian. Uh, although I've been told that Indian food here is uh, pretty much like festival Indian. Like, you wouldn't eat that yes, day, day to yes, day because no, uh, yes. it'd, it'd just be too unhealthy. Yeah. Too it's, fatty. And, it would so. be equivalent of eating a bacon cheeseburger for dinner every night. You okay, wouldn't yeah. do that. Yeah. So. I, mean, I do have a. Might, but <laughs> I went to Apna Bazaar and got. I should get some money from them. But yeah, I, I got a bunch of. So when you buy Indian spices from the Indian, mm-hmm. uh, the Indians, then uh, you only get you get to buy like a hundred, two hundred grams of spices at a time, right? <laughs> and then I get turmeric, right? And then it's uh, like oh, yeah, a pinch of turmeric in every. But I got like two hundred grams of it, right? So 
So I got like a five years supply of turmeric <laughs> sauce, right? So I learned how to make like, you know, sloppy joes, right? Uh-huh. But then I use like, you know, I use some uh, garam masala and some coriander. And now I got like sloppy sanjays or something, right? I, it's, uh, it's my own It's, it's called mix, keema. So. Okay. So if you make a savory uh, curry with uh, minced meat, it's yeah. called a keema. Okay, we'll call it that. K-H-E-E-M-A. Look it up. It's I was going to call it the... You know, yeah, I thought sloppy Sanjay would be a good one. Oh. instead of a sloppy Joe mm. or sloppy jugdished or something mm, like that. Maybe. Yeah. Oh. So. But anyway. <laughs> Creative. <laughs> so um, what about, uh, do you, uh, we can cut this if you haven't heard about this, but I was curious. Um, uh, Candy had told me about, um, that, like in India, there's, there is some, there's some tendency to worship. There, uh, there's like a devotion to the infant Jesus or the baby Jesus. Yes. And it sounded like they kind of worship Jesus, the baby Jesus, almost like a Hindu god. Um, um, that it's more of a... It's not idol worship. It's huh. still... Is it more? Is it still sort of like the infant of Prague or something like that? Is it more just yeah, a... Yeah, it's, it's actually... It's, it's exactly that. Okay, I see. Because I thought it's, it was It's a Catholic sort of a, thing. It's okay, not so even it is Protestant. A, okay, I, I get you. Because I, I was thinking Catholic, it was a... Yeah. I thought it was sort of a Hindu take on uh, no. on uh, on Christianity. So. No, but yes, I see where you're going because um, things that they can relate to get adapted very fast. Like, yeah. For example, devotion to Our Lady was so easy. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of the devotion in Hinduism was uh, were female deities. Yeah. So uh, devotion to Our Lady caught on really fast. Is that where it's it kind of. We can run into like a the danger of it becoming idol worship because it's sort of you know, yeah, you know our, well, our Protestant friends would say, "Hey, you got to watch. You're not worshiping a you know a statue or something, right?" Whereas, yes, um, yes we do not like yeah. offer any offerings to a statue of Our Lady. No, we don't yeah. do that. Uh, but you will mystery. eat you'll eat food that the Hindus have offered, right? Because you know they're allowed to. Right? They're yes, allowed to give it's it away, still you know? food. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll eat yeah. it. <laughs> I won't bow down to their idols, but I'll exactly. eat what they offer eat the, me. Eat the food, yeah. yeah. It's pretty good food too. I know, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna sell me on that. I, yeah, I'm, I'm all, I'm all about that. It was yeah. funny. I uh, okay, it's it's slightly unrelated, but my I had a friend who was atheist who was um, uh, went to a uh, he was raised you know um, taught by nuns, mm-hmm. and he said he said oh yeah I go uh, I go to church though every uh, every Christmas and Easter. I'm like, what do you mean? You're an atheist. Why are you? He goes, well, yeah, I feel like I should. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's all good, but I just, you know, it doesn't sound like you're an atheist then, but it's, you know, it's all good. But, um, so, interesting. Yeah, yeah have the... you, like, heard about these um, these mega churches for atheists that have sprung up? No. So, they're... Do they have to tithe? Or how does that work? I don't me? know if they tithe or not, but <laughs> apparently they have all the aspects of uh, of a church, except they don't worship anybody. Huh. So they have like a talk, they have a choir that sings, and uh, they discuss stuff, they uh, share stuff, uh, they have food, they have community, and all of that stuff, except there's no God in that picture. Huh. It's just science. They had a South Park for that. They just, they just worship science. So I, I did not know that that was a real thing. I was like, wow. I suppose there's worse things that they could be doing, so it's all, you know, get together and, so you, and they sing. Just, they just know, wanted all, so. the good, uh, all the things that they think is good about being in a church except except for god except for god yeah. uh, they got like you know part of the thing they just you know just they're just missing the most important and essential part so yeah maybe someday we'll get that you never know so mm-hmm. but all right <laughs> all right <laughs> so, all right well that, that was good a uh, good discussion see we uh see we haven't talked about uh, any of this stuff before so this on the, really? on the show because well wow. not not like we talked a little bit about some of the other religions but not in, you know not about the whole indian mm-hmm. thing and i mean it this emphasizes the universality right? yes so, yes but uh um we have uh um talked a little bit about uh, uh saint francis xavier he was mm-hmm. another one that yeah. in fact i'm trying to think of the patron saint of um Patron Saint of India. Uh, I thought there's Saint Francis Xavier and the Saint Thomas, but I don't know which is uh, who all is the um, officially the patron saint. I'm pretty sure. I know Xavier also. He uh, Saint Francis Xavier died in the Sea of Japan, yeah. so he's he's but known he for there, proselytizing yeah. India mm-hmm. and Japan. So yeah. yes, uh, we have quite a, quite a few shrines for him too. Hmm. In fact, they said when there was the typhoon. Um, no, the the tsunami. The tsunami that the church uh, Saint. There's a church. Devoted to Saint Thomas mm-hmm. in India, mm-hmm. and um, 
there was, a, I think it was a statue of St. Thomas, and the floodwaters went right up to him and stopped? Yes. <laughs> it, it actually did. I, I was there. Yeah. I actually witnessed that. Like, uh, about, about uh, a kilometer in from the shore, everything was wiped out. Yeah. Um, but the church survived. Hmm. The floodwaters did not get near the church. I don't know how, how they constructed it or what it was a divine grace that protected the church, but the church was unharmed. Yeah. It's interesting. They, they talk about St. Saint, um, Saint Thomas as having one of the more active afterlifes <laughs> of any saint because of how many devotions there are to St. Thomas all yes. over the world. So. Yes. But see, you go, you go, he goes from being a doubter to being uh, one, of the, you know, one of the more major apostles mm-hmm. there. So, yeah, so. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, this was interesting discussion. So I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll take a break. We'll be back. This is Joan Pearsall, and I'm glad to be one of Joe's people. You're listening to Joe's People. Why not pop around to our website at joespeople.com? That's J-O-E-S-P-E-O-P-L-E. Dot com. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Joe's People. Thank you ever so much. All right, that's the show for this week. I want to thank my friends James and Victor for being on the show. Those are very good discussions, and I always enjoy talking to you guys. Um, I want to invite everybody to my new Joe's People store on Amazon. Uh, there's a URL for it, but it's uh, very forgettable. So just check out the link that I just posted on joespeople.com or find it on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash joespeople. I just made a posting. Uh, we have a variety of books and movies, both online and physical DVDs. And we have music, including my friend Eric Genesis' amazing music. Uh, all the logistics are handled by Amazon. I just get a cut of the business. So um, we're excited about that. That way we can deliver the... Uh, all the material to you that we talk about on the podcast, so all the books and all the movies we recommend, um, and we'll you know we'll also have some Catholic bling. We'll get uh, you know we'll have rosaries and prayer cards and crucifixes, and we're adding new items each day. So uh, you know, be sure to check us out and pick up something to make your life or a family member's life more Catholic. I know uh, I remember when I moved away from home, uh, Mom would always you know sneak a prayer card or a medal or something in my luggage every time I. Uh, uh, left home, and I'd always find it later. Um, and, you know, it always made me feel a little more at home. And um, you know, she always kept the church uh, uh, present to me, or you know, my connection to the church. And the, I always appreciated that. So you know, consider that as a gift for uh, um, for Christmas. And I want to thank thank you all again for joining us for a mile or two in our walk with God. This is Joe Geisler saying good night and God bless from Austin, Texas. Just chill out now with Joe's